Well, greetings in Jesus' name, brothers and sisters. I did not necessarily expect or desire to speak to you again this way, but as it turns out, this is what we have in front of us today. First, before I get into anything, I want to just make a few comments uh, before I get to my sermon. The, uh, first, maybe just a, a thank you on behalf of Heidi and I for the care and concern you've showed for us uh, the last week. Many of you have checked in with us, have called and texted and made sure we're doing okay, which we are doing uh, great. We're both feeling uh, much better, and uh, Heidi specifically is feeling much better. And so thanks for your prayers for us and just checking in with us. I hope you're doing that with other people too than, uh, that are not feeling so well in church right now. Also, maybe just want to uh, make sure that uh, uh, the, as we have a different format this morning, no Sunday school, just make sure that you know that our evening service also has been postponed. Uh, that way, we're clear on that, that you don't show up here tonight at church. Um, and maybe just make sure that in light of us not having a, a Sunday morning gathering and having sharing time, if you have prayer uh, needs, uh, you should go ahead and let Kermit know, and he will send out an updated list. For example, we've asked for prayer for Nick's Wheeler, which would be Brenda's brother Chris's wife. I want to let you know that she is back home from the hospital and is doing much better. So thanks for your prayers. Uh, again, if you have a prayer need, just uh, let Kermit Weaver know, and he will send out his list. If you don't get that prayer list, by the way, talk to Kermit, and he'd be glad to uh, set you up. He sends it out uh, at least once a week. Uh, anything that's shared at church for, as a prayer need gets sent out so that you can be praying for it during the week. Well, let's turn our attention uh, to uh, a message. Uh, it'll be a little bit more styled like we did during the lockdown, uh, which is to say not exegetically teaching through a text, but uh, a little more devotional message style. And I'm going to take a break from the Nehemiah study. However, I want to maybe bounce off of what we've been talking about in Nehemiah. Uh, for example, I've had several conversations with people that have said, hey, Merlin, you've been asking us uh, to uh, agree with you that we should rebuild the walls and that we should make sure that we don't have you know, any broken down walls or gates in our lives. Uh, but can you give me some, uh, some practical ways at doing that? And so I thought this is a good setting for me to pause for a moment. We're at a good place in Nehemiah. The wall is being rebuilt as we're talking, as we have gotten to uh, chapter three, ready for chapter four. And it's a good time to pause and say, well, if we are serious about that, what does that look like for us? Just some practical uh, tips for rebuilding the wall. And before I launch into that, I want to just uh, share one verse with you, which is a very well-known verse, yet I want to share it with you anyway. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And certainly when we're talking about rebuilding walls, we're not talking about a physical sense. We're talking about what's happening in our lives, spiritually speaking, which means this verse applies. If we can't see or tell, or if nobody else can see or tell that we are new creations in Christ, then we have obviously got some walls that are broken down. So just a few uh, reminders as we go through, uh, get, uh, go through this message here this morning. As we began the study of Nehemiah, I told us that we can apply this on multiple levels. We can apply it personally, we can apply it to our families, we can apply it to our church, and we can apply it to our nation. Now, we've largely left the nation side off of this, but in every one of those other ones, I've encouraged you to think about, and today will be no different, encourage you to think about, as I think of practical ways to rebuild the wall around me, that applies to me personally, to my family, and to my church. 
and maybe the broader church, but certainly to my church. If I can remind us, as we look at those different levels, last week we learned that there were some rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem back in Nehemiah's day, and they did so opposite their house, and I encourage us to think of it the same way, that we should begin our work of rebuilding focused right, right close to home, right here, right with us personally, and then our families and our church before we start getting carried away with things that are wrong other places. Now, God could very well use us in those other places, but I believe he must first do the work here among us. Let me say generally, and people don't always like when I do things like this, but let me say generally that the biggest tip I can give you for your own practical application of rebuilding the wall is that you spend a lot of time with the Holy Spirit and ask him that question. Holy Spirit, what does it look like for me to rebuild the wall in my life, in my family, at my church? And then listen. Listen to what he has to say. And then when you have things revealed to you or you think of things or he speaks to you in whatever way that happens to you, then obey. Now, that's still kind of a vague general thing, right? Like, I'm not giving you a list of this, 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 and this. I'm telling you, the most important thing that can happen is for you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Can I just tell you as an aside real quickly? That's much better anyway. I don't want you to do the things, even if they are the things taught right here in Scripture, I don't want you to do them because I've told you to do them or not do them because I've told you not to do them. I want you to do them or not do them because the Holy Spirit has told you that that's what you should do. That is far more effective long-term and far more coming from the life of faith is what God wants. Ask the Holy Spirit, listen, and then obey. So let's think back. One of the very first messages I preached from Nehemiah was what the purpose of a wall even is for. Why do we even have walls? And I think as we think of that, that will help us look practically into what does it look like for me to rebuild the wall, restore the gates in my own life, my family's life, and in my church's life. So we talked about walls having three purposes, three functions. It's maybe not exhaustive, but it's a good place to start. The first thing is walls clearly are restrictive. When we have walls around us, they keep us from going places we should not. They keep us in. They, 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 they hold us in. And it's largely looked at sometimes as a negative thing, and it really ought not to be. For are there not places that we should not be? Are there not things that we should not do? Are there not restrictions placed upon us by God himself? So again, let's just walk through that. As you take time to sincerely uh, honestly look at your own personal life. Are there restrictions that should be in place in your life, but are not? Are there things expressly forbidden in Scripture that you are allowing yourself to do or participate in? Now, that, of course, requires a familiarity with what the Word of God has to say. So spend time with the Word of God. Spend time in prayer with the Holy Spirit. Again, ask Him, Holy Spirit, are there things that I do in my life that I should not do? Are there places where there's been a restriction or a wall placed by Scripture and I have been disobeying it? And furthermore, not even just things expressly given in Scripture, which would be, of course, true for every single one of us, but if you're thinking about this personally, are there convictions that the Holy Spirit has given you in your life, a particular application from a, a, a principle in God's Word that you have cast off or have, uh, no, are no longer restricting yourself to? There would be possibilities of some things that would not directly violate Scripture, but for you would be a violation of what God wants for you because of 
maybe who you are or a weakness that you have or a character flaw that you have or something like that that the Holy Spirit has asked you. And we might have said, oh, well, if that person over there doesn't have to restrict himself, then why do I? And I would say, think carefully about that. So ask the Holy Spirit, is there something in my life that I have allowed myself to do or participate in that I really ought not to? And then, of course, broaden that out a bit. If you're part of a family, let's look at our family. Are there things that our family engages in or does that we ought to be restricting ourselves, but we are not doing so? Either we stopped at some point or we've never done so to start with. Again, those restrictions that are expressly uh, stated in Scripture or just convictions given to us. Uh, Fathers, if you're the head of your household, a lot of this rests on you. Are there convictions that the Holy Spirit has given you for your family that you have said, I'm going to cast off this restriction? If so, I would tell you there's 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 a barrier down in your wall and it needs to be rebuilt. Of course, you can apply that to the church as well. Are there things that the scripture says clearly the body of believers is not to do and we've engaged in? Of course, if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, uh, these are places where we have conversation with each other about. You're welcome to call me, text me. Uh, We can meet for coffee or lunch or just meet for anyhow and talk about these kind of things. Now, the second thing, we talked about walls are good for restriction. Walls are also there for protection. Restriction is keeping us inside and not out there. Protection is keeping what's out there, out there and not in with us. So kind of a similar function. And many of these things, quite frankly, are going to overlap a bit. But again, let's think through the same kind of process. If we begin with me personally, are there places where there's supposed to be a protection? I'm supposed to protect myself from some influence. There's something that I should not, have, should not allow to come into my thoughts, across through my eyes, uh, into my ears. Uh, you know, I'm mentioning things like things we're watching, things we're listening to, things we're thinking, uh, things we're putting in our head by what we're reading, all kinds of things. Are there things that I should be protecting myself from, but I have failed to do so, or I've forgotten to do so, or I have chosen not to do so, or I've stopped doing what I used to do? Again, it's a matter of listening to the Holy Spirit. You know what? Ask him, God, is there anything in my life that I have removed a protection, an area of protection that I ought to have in place? Is there something I'm allowing into me that ought not to be true? Once again, we can point to things expressly given in Scripture. We can point to specific convictions that the Holy Spirit has given to you personally. Certainly, this must be addressed uh, at the family level. One of the greatest uh, infiltrations into our families currently is our use of media and what what comes through our devices, our phones and our TVs. Let's take a careful look at that. If we want practical ways to rebuild the wall, I think it means we have to be willing to look at stuff like that. (coughs) Excuse me, sorry about that. Are there things that are coming in that are supposed to be protected, that we're supposed to be protected from, that we've allowed to come in. That's a breach in our wall. That's a gate that's torn down that needs to be restored. Now, can I say this really quickly? One of the um, first places that removes protection from us, God's protection from us, one of the first things that does that is when we are walking in disobedience. When the Holy Spirit has asked something of us and we refuse to yield. That means we have chosen when we know what God wants in a certain area doesn't matter whether it's a restriction thing or protection thing or anything. When God has asked something of us and we have said, yeah, I don't want to do that, 
Disobedience is one of the quickest ways to get us in a place where we are no longer under the protection that God offers to us. That's true in your families. That's true in our churches. That's true with God himself. That's uh, for whatever reason he designed it that way. That's how his authority structure works. So we've talked about walls are there for restricting, walls are there for protecting, but ultimately what we got to, and I'd like to remind us of, is that walls are there as a thing of identity. It's a way of defining where something starts or stops. It's a way of identifying this is inside or this is, this is part of this, this out here is not part of it. And as we talk about our walls, as we talk about our, us personally, our families, our church, that is probably the the foremost place where our walls have crumbled down is in our identity. We are supposed to, I read this verse, if anyone is in Christ, that's a statement of identity. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We are to look different. And when I say look different, we have traditionally in our faith uh, background, we have traditionally interpreted that as we are to look differently physically on the outside. And I'm not going to say that's not true. Now, many of us don't look that different anymore, so we obviously, most of us think that's not the primary thing, and I would say that shouldn't be the primary thing. Maybe there should be more of that than we think, though. Let's think carefully about that. But certainly, Jesus taught us very clearly that it's not on what's on the outside that matters, it's what's on the inside, for what's in here comes out. We can dress however we want to, but what's in here is actually the test of whether we're living by faith and whether we know Jesus and we are allowing him to be Lord of our life. So is our identity really in Christ? Now, again, this is pretty vague and negligible. Many of us will say, yes, I'm in Jesus, but how do we really assess that? If I'm going to say, well, here's some practical ways to make sure that we are rebuilding our walls and making sure, how am I going to say, here's some practical ways to make sure your identity is really in Christ? I would tell you if the test is on the inside, then the only test we can give ourselves and our families and our church is what is the fruit that is coming out of us? What is coming out from the inside? Now, if you want a few places to read to give you some really practical ideas, I'm not going to read them for you this morning in this text. I'm going to ask you, since I'm asking you to do the work of rebuilding, I'm going to ask you to spend time with them. For example, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26 contains a really good section of verses about what we ought not to look like and what we ought to look like. Those are questions of identity. If these things find their place in your life, if they're evidence in your life, if it's the fruit out of your life, then your identity is not in Christ. If these, on the other hand, do, then your identity is in Christ. Of course, it's in there we find the verse that we all know. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against those things because they're happening inside of here. We all know that verse, perhaps. I just quoted it from memory. But does that really find it evidence? Is that really my identity? If people look at me personally, people look at my family, people look at my church, do they see the fruit of the Spirit or not? If you want some parallel passages, check out Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Again, a really nice list from Paul of some things that mark the identity of believers and things that mark the identity of non-believers. Which place do we find ourselves? If one of those is missing, that's a place where our wall is a little broken down. You know, on one hand, I really appreciate the questions of how do we practically do that? I, I really do, and that's why I'm preaching this message. 
I'm not making light of that. On the other hand, let's not let that be an excuse that so far I've talked pretty vaguely and I've allowed the, or wanted the Holy Spirit to apply these things to you. Let's not let that be an excuse for not actually trying to rebuild. Because I think we all have the ability to pick up the Bible, the Word of God, and say, what does it look like? What is my identity supposed to be in Christ? It's pretty, it's pretty boldly written. It's pretty plainly written. The question is, am I willing to spend time with the Holy Spirit and really ask him, does my life look like that? Does my family look like that? Does my church look like that? If not, what are the things that have to change? How do we get to there? One more scripture for you to read if you're inclined to uh, reading some more about what your life should look like and you really want to take a, a, a sincere effort at, at identifying yourself as, as a person in Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through chapter 6, verse 9. It's a little longer section. It covers a whole bunch of things about what our walk in Jesus Christ is supposed to look like. Those are practical ways. Let's not be caught in the, in the lie or the deceit that there's nothing practical in Scripture. These are three lists I've given you, three texts of Scripture I've given you that are chock full of practical things. Does my life look like this? Does my family look like this? Does my church look like this? After all, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I encourage you, if you're willing to do this, if you're serious about practical rebuilding, if you're willing to do this, spend time praying. Spend time fasting. I'm serious. Spend time denying yourself from food and asking the Holy Spirit and saying, I'm serious about this, God. I want to know if there's places that my wall has been, uh, has been breached, if there's places my gates have been burned. I want them rebuilt. Start with your own personal life. Talk with people in your family about it. Maybe what you are hearing about yourself personally, but what they're hearing, what, they're, what your family should change. Have a conversation. I would suspect much rebuilding would happen just by husbands and wives simply sitting down with each other and talking about the things that ought to be true, the identity they really want to have as a family, the restrictions they really want to have, the protections they really want to put in place. It doesn't do much good for us to wring our hands about all the horrible places the church in America is if we're not willing to start with us and our, our homes, our families. And then, of course, as we're praying and our families are praying and fasting and asking and seeking the Lord, there's room for a conversation for us as a church. What are we hearing? I can assure you because of my faith in Jesus Christ that we're going to be hearing the same things of things that may not be how they should be in our church. And then it's up to us to change it. If I can say it again, ask the Holy Spirit, listen to what he has to say, and then let's obey him. Those are the practical tips for rebuilding the wall. Now, some of you may still not like it. You may have been a little too vague. Let me give you just real quick one brief example of something I'm thinking about. For me, it becomes very obvious what kind of passion we have uh, for Christ and for God himself and how kind of passion we have for being together with, with the people of God. So for me, a, a, a place that our wall is broken down is I see lots of people, and I'm talking about our church here at Riverview. I'm seeing, I'm seeing plenty of people, I shouldn't say lots of people, but plenty of people who are willing to come Sunday mornings and are happy to just sort of sit there, uh, be minimally engaged, have hopefully a good message be preached to them, but that's about all that they, they, they want to do. I'll be honest with you, that's, that, 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 that's not where I'd like us to be. I'd want us to be engaged and have a desire to hang out with other believers as much as you possibly can. Now, maybe you're hanging out with other believers otherwise, other places, and that's perfectly fine. I'm not saying we're the only group of believers around. That's perfectly fine. 
but I'm asking you to be honest. Is that really true? Or is the only exposure, the only rubbing shoulders you have with other believers Sunday mornings? I don't think that's enough. I don't think that's sufficient. I think that's a really low wall, if you want to put it that way. It needs to be repaired. I want to, I'd like to see, as an example of something I'm talking about, an increased passion for being together with God's people, to have fellowship with them. And I know right away, some of you will say, yes, that means we should have more sermons in church and people should be there. Some of you, we should have more prayer and we should be there. Some of you might say we should have more uh, 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 social events so that people can be together and, have, and have, uh, have interaction that way. And I say the problem is when each of us think those different things and we're only willing to see true Christian fellowship as, as that slice, then we've missed it. And we're not, we need all of that. We need all of that. True Christian fellowship is all of that. Hearing the word of God, praying together, having social times together, eating together, enjoying company with each other. It, it's what's required. Look, look at the book of Acts. I've, I've, I've quoted these verses before. That's what the early church did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and prayer. They uh, met with each other in the temple and in their homes. They broke bread together. They did all those things. True Christian fellowship is all of them. And I long to see a rebuilding of a sincere passion to really be together with fellow believers. But I'll tell you something that lies beneath that. I don't believe we'll ever have a sincere passion for getting together with fellow believers if we don't have a sincere passion for being with God himself. For the fellow believer part is really just being with the physical, tangible representation of those who are, uh, who are in his image, are born, are created in his image, and are in Christ. That's why we want to be with fellow believers is because they're the little tangible taste of being with God himself. So to me, a lack of passion for being with other believers really is a lack of passion for being with God himself. So ultimately what I'm really getting at here is sounds a lot like being back, going back to the basics, to loving God with all that we have, our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think it's a big place our walls have been broken down. We have been content to simply spend a few moments with other believers, a few things in, in, in religious kind of things, and then coast through life and live our life just like the rest of America. Pursue the same things as the rest of America. Argue about the same things as the rest of America. Our identity should not be like that. We should have, we should want to have a, a, an incredible and a growing amount of time with God himself. He is our creator. He is our redeemer. He is our sustainer. He is everything. You know, the goal of heaven is the goal of being with him. Why should we want to be with him in heaven if we don't want to be with him here? Let's, let's allow the Holy Spirit to inform us. Is this a place our wall is broken down? A true, sincere passion for being with God. I think when that begins to happen, we will see a passion for being with God's people come out of that because we don't have a choice. Again, it's the, it's, it's the way that we have tangibly allowed to do that with other people who are in Christ themselves. Just an example, just some things that are running through my head. I know I've had people ask me, and so uh, that's just one of my examples. It's not, it's not the whole point of the message. That's not what I want to drive at. What I want to drive at, I'm going to come back to that. If you want some practical tips for how to rebuild the wall in your own life and in your family and participate in doing so in our church, I suggest we begin with spending sincere, honest time with the Holy Spirit, asking him in the word and saying, are there places that I have not restricted myself like I ought? Are there places where my protection is broken down? Or are there simply places where my identity is not where it ought to be and I'm gonna, I want to change that? And then I'm going to listen what he has to say and then obey and start right here with the person that is, is you looking in the mirror. And then our families and then our church.
My friends, thank you. Let me pray. Thanks for listening to this today. Father, thank you so much that you have given us your word. Thank you that you've sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you said those words that it's for our good that you go away so that the Holy Spirit can be sent from the Father. He is the abiding comforter. He leads us into all truth. He convicts us of sin. He reminds us of all the things you've taught us, and we need all those things. Conviction so that we might repent. Uh, illumination so we might know the path we're to walk in. And uh, just a reminder of what you have, uh, have for us, how you want to lead us. Holy Spirit, we invite you, I invite you personally, and I pray I'm not the only one praying this prayer. I invite you to, to probe around and, and look at my life, search me, try me, see if there be any wicked ways in me, to know if there's places that my wall personally has been broken down. And I want to hear you, and I want to obey you. I want that to be true for my family. I want that to be true for our church. The thing about when you bring us to your word we can make it an academic exercise, Father, or we can allow it to actually meet us. And with this book of Nehemiah, this is where you brought us. We could talk about it as history. We could even bring great spiritual principles out and great leadership principles out. But the question is, will we endeavor to be Nehemiahs, to be builders in our day? God, help us. God, help us. We thank you. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.